Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody? This is episode 158 of Catfish on Ice with Chad Minton and Kyle Perkins, your host tonight. Everybody, I don't know what we watched last night. I don't think it was hockey, but they were skating and they were on ice. They did have hockey sticks, so maybe it was hockey. We'll try to answer that. How's everybody doing tonight? Kyle, how are you doing tonight, man? Well, considering there's not a game on tonight, I'm pretty good. Yeah, I mean... We're calling this episode, first of all, the State of the Union Emergency Press Conference of the Predators. Emergency State of the Union of the National Predators. The State of the National Predators. Where are they at? Because it keeps getting worse every each and every week. That's kind of where we're at right now. We really got to start talking about it. It reached a boiling point against the Kraken on Tuesday night. Four goals given up in the first period. This is becoming a common occurrence this is not a one-off here this is a normal thing that is happening with this team yeah uh, Alex Daughtery posted a thing today talking about UC's save percentages on the first couple of shots of the game he's got a point six on the first shot of the game yeah so it, pretty much 50 50 shot he doesn't look good and that's the first time we've said that in a long time maybe in his definitely since he's taken over for Pecorine have I have, have I felt this um, lack of confidence in UC Soros and that doesn't mean that he can't pick it back up but there is definitely something going on there and so now you're talking about a collective effort with this team or lack of effort if you will it's you can't really find a positive spot on this team right now. Like it, you really got to dig deep to find something positive about this team right now. Yeah, uh, it's just there's not not much at all good going on. It's just it seems like nothing is working. Just it doesn't make sense. It something's wrong. Something's definitely wrong. And the hardest part, so, you know, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, just when you thought, you know what, it's all good, they're getting it out of their system. I think I said that a couple episodes ago. I said, you know what, I'd rather them get this out of their system, you know, now in the first 10 games of the season rather than, you know, when they're making a playoff push. But I'm very far past that now. Like, the whole excuse of it's early has definitely sailed. That ship has sailed. It's far more than just that. Does that not mean that they can't play their way out of it and there's not plenty of games left? Of course not. They totally can do that. But we're seeing underlying compounding issues with this team that I'm not entirely sure can be fixed in the, over the course of an actual season. That's kind of what I'm starting to feel like. Yeah, it seems like it's – it would be one thing if they were losing for different reasons, but it seems to be the same mistakes over and over again. Yeah. And you can't do that and expect to have any type of success. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Bad defense. It is lackluster. You've got certain guys that are still forechecking and playing hard, but – in the long run, most of your guys on the offensive side of the puck aren't forechecking. They're they're trying to do little fancy dipsy do moves and everything else. I know Rich and I we always have our little joke about Duchesne and the little 
spin moves he makes and everything and trying to go behind the net and doing fancy stuff. And you can always tell if the Preds are going to do all right or not. If he's doing that, he they're probably going to struggle. Well, he's doing that in every game. Yeah. Multiple times per game. You've got yes. a few guys, and I, I will say this, Duchesne and Forsberg, those guys look like they're giving effort into what they're doing, but it's just not working at all. Yeah. We're going to dive into it. We're going to try to unpack what happened against the Seattle Kraken. We are going to also get into some thoughts that I have about when do we start thinking about trading some players here. And there's one player in particular that's on my mind, and that's Ellie Tolvanen. I want to get Kyle Perkins, his thoughts on that. Any comments you have? We've already got some comments pouring in. We appreciate all of you. We've got Justin Gambino in here who hops on here and says, Forsberg looks like the only dude working hard every game with zero support, so his effort is just useless every shift. So you've got that. We've got Nikki in here. And so we've got a lot of our good friends in here. Mike Twitter's in here as well. State of Emergency Preds Conference. He calls it a Preds Conference. That's good. That's better. It it's makes a perfect. <laughs> it is a, a state of emergency. <laughs> yes, it is. So we are going, keep the comments coming. We've got Max Greenberg in here. Are we talking about Hines? Sorry if I missed. No, we haven't actually talked about John Hines yet, Max. But we will. We're getting there. We'll get there. I'm sure we will. And then we're going to also, um, yeah, so we're going to talk about that. Uh, my thoughts on Ellie Tolvanen. We'll just go all in on wherever this conversation takes us, which means our listeners and live viewers right now, guess what? It's your night to shine. Tell us what you want us to talk about. You can build the episode tonight. We do episodes like this every now and then where, you know what, you tell us what topics you want us to cover and we will get in on it. We've got Boyce in here. Boyce Cannon, a.k.a. Country Boy. He says, get rid of John Hines. All right. So we got the first get rid of John Hines in there. Um, thank you for dropping in there. Nikki jumps in and says, Barry Trotz is out there. I would not be so sad. Um, Kyle, uh, you love it when we bring up Barry Trotz. All right. I think Barry Trotz is going to Toronto. Keep the comments coming. We will get into all of this. We are presented by DraftKings, promo code THPN, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. We'll tell you more about DraftKings later. And again, this is the emergency State of the Union episode of Catfish on Ice, episode 158 of the National Predators. All right, so let's get into this game against the Kraken. I'm going to pull up some of the numbers here, but Kyle, did you actually watch it from the opening faceoff like I unfortunately did? I did until about the uh, end of the second period, the second intermission, and then I get up too early to stay up and watch that. <laughs> yeah. So, funny story, I was actually pretty – amped up about this game, foolishly enough. I mm -hmm. was um, ready for it. It was on TNT, so I, did, I um, had to find other means. I'll leave it at that to watch it on my phone. And But I found a stream, and I was, like, really excited about it. Um, couldn't wait to watch it, you know. I was like, you know what? We're on a two-game winning streak here. Even though I tried to caution everybody, and I wasn't the only one. There were plenty of people saying the same thing who said, look, we can be excited about how they made a comeback win against the Vancouver Canucks, but at the same time, realize who they beat. It was the Vancouver Canucks. And they should have never put themselves in that situation to begin with. But they did win, and we did have a two-game winning streak coming into this game against the Kraken. So I was a little amped up. I was. I was a little feeling a little optimistic, to be quite honest. Even though the Kraken, I have the utmost respect for the Seattle Kraken. That team is deep. They check all the boxes. They have they cover every position. They don't have a ton of superstar talent, but they have tons of quality talent. 
Do you see mm-hmm. the same in them on that regard? I do. How good is uh, um, Maddie Beneers? Oh my gosh, he's he's a runaway to win the uh, Calder, is. isn't he? I, if he's not, I don't know who's gonna be. That kid has looked amazing. It just everything looks like it's working for him, and I really enjoy watching him play. I enjoy watching the Kraken play when they're not playing the Predators. Honestly, they're an easy team to root for. Yeah, they are. I mean, they they really don't have any big rivalries with anybody yet, and no terrible memories or anything like that. So it's like, hey, I can cheer for these guys. Yeah, and when you look at the when you look at the money puck expected goals in all situations, what a the, the, when you look at the expected goals, it does not tell the story of how this game went. It because if four goals in the first period scored by the Seattle Kraken, the final tally is a 2.82 to 2.16 expected goals. Kraken over the Preds. A very, very boring game offensively if you take out that first period barrage that the Kraken just unleashed on the Nashville Predators. They absolutely whooped them. I mean, just, whew. But so after I, that, and there was a, a defined point where the game changed. But I'll let you talk about that. Well, yeah. I was just going to say, I didn't even get down in my seat before Saros was scored on. Like, not even joking. Like, I went to grab a beverage to sit down in my chair to, like, you know, get all comfortable to watch this game. And I hear the goal horn going off. And I'm like, well, that doesn't sound too good. I only heard the sound. I didn't see it originally. Like, I was literally walking to my chair Mm -hmm. to grab my phone and get settled to watch this game that I was so amped up for. And it was already one nothing, And I'm thinking, this can't be real here. Like, again? Like, we're literally doing this again here. And it's just, it's getting to the point where it's like, are the Predators just, are they just that team? Are they that bad? Are they really that bad? Is mm-hmm. what I'm starting to get at here. Uh, let's see. Let's look at some other comments here. Max Greenberg jumps in and says, I knew we would lose. I had a feeling. See, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not there with you. I, I felt good about it, foolishly enough. I, I felt they like were turning the corner. I thought they were too, honestly. As, as much as I didn't take a lot of stock into the win over the, over the uh, Canucks because it's the Canucks and they're one of the worst teams in the conference, I still felt like they were somewhat turning a corner and they would – at least come to play. And I didn't see a 5-1 barrage coming. So, um, I don't know. But, yeah, so the game is already 4 nothing in the first period. UC Soros gets pulled. Let's talk about Soros here to, to really get into the meat and potatoes of what happened here. He does not look good at all. Uh, you alluded to it, Kyle, with uh, Alex Doherty's uh, tweet there. Um We've been making excuses for a while for for Soros when it comes to his defense in front of him is not great. Um, He's the victim a lot of times of making a lot of really good saves, and eventually he just lets one by. Uh, One guy can only do so much. This was not one of those games. That first goal he gave up on the first shot he faced, he fanned on it. You got to have that save there. You got to have that save. So it just. Inexcusable mistake. It's inexcusable, and it's weird. It's weird to see it from Soros because this is we're all new to new to this here. I got a question for you here, Kyle, and I kind of I wrote an article about it before this game happened. I don't know if you saw it, but I wrote an article on Predlines about it following uh, Kevin Lankinen's really strong performance. Now he's had a pretty promising start. Let me preface this by saying to everyone, so that I don't get a lot of angry comments here. (laughs) anyone misunderstanding what I'm saying here. I do not think that UC Soros should be benched for Kevin Lankinen. Let's get it out of the way there. But Prince Facebook does. I will say this. And I wrote, I wrote about this before this game even happened. I said at some point, especially if Soros gets lit up in his next game, which he did, I didn't predict it, but I did say if he gets lit up in his next game, 
then you've got to start seriously deciding how are you going to balance these starts between Soros and Lankanen? Because Lankanen has proven that he is more than ready to be more than just a backup. He's looked you've, good. He's looked really good. And you've got him here. You might as well use him. So I'm not saying bench your franchise goaltender and UC Soros necessarily, but I am saying that you're going to have to start finding more spot starts for Lankanen. And I definitely think you start Lankanen in their next game. You have to. I'm starting him 100%. I don't know if they'll do it, but I think they should. The only thing is you want to give Juice the chance to kind of redeem himself. And, you know, you fall off the horse, you get back on, that kind of deal. Um, but, God, it is – it's rough seeing him get lit up every game. I feel bad for him. He and I just think- went, from, went from a Vesna finalist to, I mean, replacement level. And he can always bounce back. He can finish strong, and we've seen him do that. He's historically a bad starter to seasons. Like this is, but this is like all time bad for him. Um, and it's of course it's not all on him as well. He's got some really shaky defense in front of him and defensive breakdowns. But I will say this as well that I I get what you're saying as far as letting Soros redeem himself. But I think they've already given him a chance to do that to some degree. And I think at mm-hmm. this point you're in desperate times here you're you're in desperate you're in a desperate position here where you're about to let the season really get away from you you're on that teetering point right now where if this really goes too much further as far as losing in these types of ways you're in danger of losing the locker room losing the fan base um getting into a spot where it's going to take a monumental effort to dig your way out of it and get back to what people expected them to be. So as much as I don't like to say this, and it might end up giving us the same result, but I'm starting Kevin Lincoln in against the Colorado Avalanche. I'm seeing what he does. I'm seeing what he shows us. He might get lit up as well, but Mm -hmm. I don't think – I think Soros needs a break here. I think he needs a one-game break, and I think you put Lincoln in out there – you roll the dice, you see what happens. Maybe he puts out a gem and leaves you in the game against Colorado. If the Preds could somehow get a gem start out of Kevin Lankinen on Thursday and they somehow figure out a way to beat the Colorado Avalanche, who have not looked like their normal selves either. They're not as bad as the Predators, but they haven't looked like a Stanley Cup team this year yet. And they're dealing with mm-hmm. a lot. The Avs are dealing with a lot of injuries as well right now. So I'm going with Kevin Lankin in on Thursday. Let's see what he does. If the Preds can somehow figure out a way to beat the Avs, I'm not calling it, I'm not predicting it, but if they do it on the back of a really strong showing from Lankin in, then maybe you can feel good about yourselves going into Saturday, and then I would absolutely put Soros back in. But I think Soros needs a game off. I think he needs some time to actually reset everything. I'm not throwing him back to the Wolves on Thursday against the Avs. I'm, I, that's just me. That's my personal philosophy on it that is absolutely throwing him in with the abs uh it just oof. i think he's in danger of getting lit up again then what do you do like i and then you, you play the rangers the next game so it doesn't get any easier here i mean eventually you're gonna have to throw Soros back out there but i think for one game i would like to see what lincoln can show us i don't that's see you, a problem with that that's what you brought him in for let's see what happens i I don't think he's the savior by any means. You, this team's got a multitude of problems, and it doesn't just go with the goaltender. That's just the tip of the iceberg. So um, that's just a small part of it. Uh, Kyle, I want to get your thoughts. I'm going to look through some of these comments, but Kyle, I want to get your thoughts on what you think about the recent lineup decisions. Basically, so Hines didn't make any lineup changes um, going into the game against the Kraken. He left Jordan Gross in there. He benched Ellie Tolvin in. He benched Cody Glass. He left his fourth line with McCarron and Cole Smith in there. He left Zach Sanford, who I like Zach Sanford, but not as a second-line player. I never said that. What yeah. do you think about all this, man? Like, Okay, so Sanford, I, I agree with you. I like him. 
He's a bottom six guy. Exactly. Um, yeah. Gross. I have absolutely zero problem with Jordan Gross being where he is because you know what? He's played like he should be there. Um, that said, you could make arguments for uh, Lazan and Fabro being both in a lineup over Carrier. Um, personal opinion, I think Carrier is better than both of those guys. Um, then you're setting Tolvanen and Glass, both of your younger guys who are talented guys and no, Glass wasn't playing that bad. I don't. I don't get it. I, I'm I'm very confused. I am too. I am too on that. Um, I just don't understand. I don't get the long term picture of what the Nashville Predators are trying to accomplish right now. I feel like they are all over the place and they don't have a clear cut plan on what they're trying to accomplish. Sometimes they give you this this indication going into the season, at least, you know, everyone's thinking, wow, okay, this team went all in over the off season. They went out and got Ryan McDonough. They went out and got Nino Niederreiter. They re they backed up the truck to make sure they got Philip Forsberg back. They they're elevating these young players. They they're, they're putting Cody glass on the forefront there. And mm -hmm. it's like all these knee jerk reactions. And I don't know how you form any chemistry right now with this team based on what they're doing here and what, what kind of message are you sending to this lineup? And we, we should probably expect some more lineup changes to happen on Thursday. I can't see John Hines rolling out the same lineup on Thursday after a 5-1 loss to the Kraken. If he does, um, you know, I've stood up for Hines quite a bit and – I think overall he's been a pretty good coach, but I can't make any excuses for the last month. Well, with this mess right now, there's plenty of blame to go around. You can look at the front office. You can look at the head coach. You can look at the players. I think you can evenly distribute it to everyone. It's a collective effort. Um, let's get to, let's get caught up on some of these comments because so many people are commenting right now, and I got to get caught up here because – Y'all are commenting so fast, I can't even keep up, which is awesome, and I love it. Uh, Nikki said a good thing here about goalies. Nikki says, one of the biggest problems with smaller goalies I know since I am one, they have to come out of the net further to take up space. They have to come out to take that angle away. Yep. Good, good stuff there, Nikki. Thanks for that comment. That is totally true, and we appreciate your insight on that. She also says your defense needs to be solid though, or, or it results in inconsistence inconsistencies always. So yeah, that, that I think it's a collective effort between Soros misplaying some pucks, but also the defense and it may, it might be a confidence thing too with Soros right now. You know, I feel like he's just not comfortable right now. He's not settled in and you got to get in a zone. And Nikki, as a goalie, maybe you can expand on this, but and see what you think about this. But I just feel like there's there's a lack of confidence going on right now with Soros. Mm -hmm. He doesn't feel comfortable. He's not settled in there, and so maybe he's making some uncharacteristic mistakes and reads on pucks. I mean, I'm just I'm not seeing him as his normal self, and it's it's concerning. But he can also play his way out of it. I do have confidence that he can play his way out of it. It's just he doesn't look comfortable in his own skin. If yeah, and, and, and you know, I asked you about the lineup, so let me kind of talk about that for me, from my perspective. You know, I'm a big Zach Sanford guy as a fourth liner, and that's what I thought he was going to be when he was brought in. But I can't get over what the revolving door that the second line has become, and how. For some reason, John Hines cannot come to a decision on how he wants that second line to look. The only consistencies we are getting is that we know Ryan Johansson is going to be up there. We know that Niederreiter is going to be up there. And other than that, I mean, yeah, you got your top six core players like Forsberg. You know they're going to be up there, but it is just a crapshoot. And I can't understand 
Like this team just they just can't get over the big physical bodies. And I tweeted this out during the game when it was like a two or three nothing game already. But I said, look, it's all well and good if you want to be a hard hitting physical team. And I get get it that that that's who this team wants to be, mm-hmm. and that's what their skill set is. But at some point, the league is going to pass you by. And yeah. I I compare it to NFL. I compare it to football. In football, it is a passing league now. And it's kind of perfect and kind of coincidental, but the Tennessee Titans in football are the same way for any Titans fans who are also Predators fans who are listening or watching right now. They love to run the football. They love to pound it with Derrick Henry. And at some point, how far is that going to take you? And how you got to keep up with the times, and it's not – the 1980s anymore. It's not the 90s. And when it comes to the Predators in hockey, they got to get these skill guys back in there and let them play their way through it. And that's why, even though Ellie Tolvanen has not lived up to his ceiling and his and, and what you expect him to be, yanking him up and down the lineup and benching him, he's only played 8 of 13 games, you're wasting him. At this point, just trade the dude because you're wasting his career and you're wasting him on this roster. And I guarantee you there is a team out there right now. They're not going to offer you much, but they're going to give you something. And they would love to take on an Ellie Tolvanen to take him on as a project. And maybe, mm-hmm. and that would be good for him too. I hate seeing Ellie Tolvanen be wasted away on this team. And when they do play him, he's getting less than 14 minutes of ice time. He And he's, it's just, it's infuriating to me. And I don't know what the vision is of this team right now. I don't see a vision. They're just, flying by the seat of their pants right now, hoping something good happens. I agree. I couldn't agree more. Mm. It's so frustrating. Yeah. You just and, you, you just keep watching and watching and hoping something's going to happen. And you've got Tolvanen, who had so much promise, who's been such a good defensive forward for this team. When this team is struggling this badly – on defense, he's literally doing everything else well besides offense. I mean, literally, he's playing on the penalty kill. Cody Glass was playing on the penalty kill. All of a sudden, you pull both of these guys off and you're getting lit up. Yeah. I don't get it. And then, like, there was no comeback attempt in this game whatsoever. Yeah, the Preds had 11 shots on goal in the, in the second period. The, the Kraken basically took their foot off the gas when they went up 4 nothing. I mean, the Kraken aren't that type of team where they're just going to, like, keep the pedal to the metal. The Kraken are a really good defensively sound team. So when they went up 4 nothing, they had nothing else essentially to play for. They were just they were just protecting the lead at that point. They were oh, like, yeah. they were like, come get us. Like, we're up 4 nothing. We have a four-goal cushion on you. Do your worst. Do, do, do whatever you can. And, of course, mm-hmm. the Preds couldn't do it. Um, and – Six six shots on goal in the third period for the Preds. The the Kraken, they didn't have to do anything after Kevin Lankinen came in. And so I'm not going to read too much into Lankinen making all 13 saves and not giving up a, a goal. Well, he, I guess he did give up a goal, didn't he, late in the game? Or no? I think that was an empty netter. Oh, wow. Yeah, they did. Yeah, the Kraken got an empty netter, even though they were up 4-1. Okay. So Lankinen makes all 13 saves. But again, I don't think the Kraken were really putting their foot on the pedal anymore. They were they were up for what what they're they're playing defense at that point. They're playing it safe. They're playing it playing it conservative, and they're daring a National Predators team to come back. And we all knew four goal deficit going into the second period. It was against the Kraken. It's not happening because the Kraken are a legitimate team. They are, and I knew that going into it. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. Tough stuff there. Just looking at some of the individual numbers from the Kraken game. Uh, Roman Yossi puts four shots on goal to lead the team, it looks like. But, yeah, like Cole Smith had three shots on goal. Uh, Tanner Janot put up three shots on goal. Ekholm had three shots on goal. DeShane only manages one shot. Really? That, yeah. That's what I'm seeing here on Money Puck anyway. Um, that's, that can't happen. He had a 0.181 expected goals. And he also had a really bad number against the Canucks game, a really low number. I remember 
Um, so Duchesne's had two games in a row where he was basically a ghost offensively, just just non-existent. So, I mean, Forsberg gets a goal, but it's in garbage time once again. They're not scoring critical goals in critical moments. Um, it's all the way around. Niederreiter, he was he was non-existent as well. I mean, he even had a lower expected goals than Duchesne did. So you, the core of your lineup is not showing up offensively. Ryan Johansson didn't show up offensively at all. So it's it really is a collective effort here. When Cole Smith is one of your leading shot getters, that's a problem. Yeah, why is, is why does Cole Smith have one of the highest expected goals on the team? Like that's not okay. That's not good. Because he has eighteen breakaways per game that <laughs> none of them ever go in. Yeah. Look at this. Kevin Lankinen does finish the game with a 1.36 goal saved above expected. That's a pretty high number, especially considering he only played two periods. Whereas UC Soros, uh, shield your ears for this, Kyle, if you don't want to hear it. He was a negative 3.52 goals saved. He got absolutely lit up. That's they they invented that term for games like that. I mean, I mean, I can't. I don't even know what else to say about it. It's just so far out of normal for UC. It's it's not even in the the realm of feasible performances by him. It just I don't. Remember the hey Kyle, remember the good old days when we used to say, Oh, the Predators lost because they had a parade to the penalty box. <laughs> well, those days are long gone. The Predators only had two penalty minutes. And they still <laughs> figured out a they still figured out a way to lose five to one. Hey. Ugh. So frustrating. We we should get a stipend for watching these games. Oh yeah, uh, we should get we should get paid extra for this. We should be like you get you get bonus time, you get time and a half. For working forty plus hours, I feel like when we have to recap games like this, we should we should get a little bonus. But we do love doing this. We're all kind of joking here. But um, let's yeah. get caught up on some comments here. Max Greenberg jumps in and says, "It's just so frustrating that our problems are rarely ever talent. Not that we're the best roster by any means, but it's always about smarts and vision." I want to kind of expand on that because I agree with what Max is saying there. I've never ever questioned the heart and desire and willpower of a Predators team. I have always, when when they go up against t- teams that are way more talented, I have for the most most of my fandom of this team over the years, I've always looked at it and been like, you know what, that team left it all out there, and they just went up against a team that's loaded with superstars, whereas the Predators are historically a more blue collar the sum of your parts rather than loaded at the top end with elite superstars. But when you look at this team on paper, there's no excuse for this. They've got the talent. Do they have Stanley cup contending talent? Maybe not, but they have a lot of talent on this team. And that's a big reason why people are so ticked off right now. Oh, I'd agree. Uh, Nikki says Dutchie needs to shoot more. Yeah, well, he also needs to find better moments to shoot. He's not – I don't know if it's he's just not finding the right spots on the ice to get clear shots. Uh, I've seen a lot, of, a lot of moments in games over the last few games where he's – his skating is fine. Like he can skate in mm-hmm. a phone booth. I've always said this about Matt Duchesne. He can skate in a phone booth and make it look really good, but he is having a hard time getting clear and high danger shots on net. That's really going to test the goaltender. He's almost trying to do too much where he's trying to get really fancy. He's trying to make that sports center top 10 moment and it's not working out for him at all. He did get the shootout goal winner. It was a nice little move, but to get the Predators to win over the Canucks. But yeah, he's, I've seen too many moments where he's just, he's trying to do the really fancy skating, 
And in this league, it's really hard to score that way because every team, even the worst teams in this league, have quality NHL players who will sniff that stuff out. Mm-hmm. And I think the Predators got to get back to back to the basics. They got to – and their passing, especially against the Kraken, was all out of sorts. I mean, they just could not get on the same page. It looked like they were in quicksand in that first period, whereas the Predators, whenever they tried to muster something up, it was like, well, the Kraken, they would just respond so quickly. And it's one thing if you're playing the Oilers or you're playing the Avalanche or you're playing the Lightning or some of these other highly talented offensive juggernauts. But as good as the Kraken are, I'm not going to confuse them as some offensive juggernaut here. But they looked the part. They looked like an offensive juggernaut in that first period. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were skating circles around the Predators. Yeah, and that's the thing. This roster, if you look at it, it's probably one of the more talented Pred rosters we've had in a bit. Mm-hmm. And it just it makes zero sense at all that they're that bad. Yeah. And if and it's I've said this a couple of times now. It's feeling a whole lot like it did when Peter Laviolette got the, the old walking papers. Yeah. Because well, that that team was very similar in the fact that they should have been a whole lot better than they were. Well, you know, there's a lot of speculation going around. And a lot and you know, our good friend Robbie Stanley um put out a tweet thinking that he just doesn't seem to think that Hines is going to get fired during this season, no matter how bad it gets. Um, and I will, you know, we're going to try to get Robbie on at some point here in the coming weeks. But because um, I really want to talk to him about that, because he seems to think that with Poyle, with Poyle giving Hines a, an, an extension or a two year deal over the offseason, that he's just, no matter how bad it's going to get, that most likely Hines just isn't going to be let go. I, I tend to disagree. I think if this has the, potential to get really really bad and I just don't see how Poyle can just let it all slip away and go to go to the wayside like it is um I just can't see it happening of course if the Predators turn a corner and they get back into playoff contention and toy with our hearts then yeah of course they're going to keep them around they're not going to fire him then but if it keeps getting to the point where the Predators are one of the worst teams in the division, how can you make a case for keeping him throughout the season? You're really going to lose the fan base. I mean, right now you only have one team worse than you. If this team is – if this team continues to be hanging out at the bottom of the division, how how can you make an argument to keep him around throughout the season as a general manager? Unless you just don't care about winning and you don't care about where this team is going, you have to make the very difficult decision to let John Hines go. I mean, you just can't let it let it linger like this. And and we, we were talking about it before the season started, if you remember Kyle, and with our co-host Rich Howe, who will be back next week, we said, oh, making the playoffs isn't even good enough anymore. Like, this team needs to do something special in the postseason. Well, forget about that. Like, I've got my inner Jim Mora, member of the old school. Uh, playoffs. Playoffs. I'm just hoping we can win a game. Like, that. I, I feel like sharing. I wish I could just share that video right now. We could just end the episode with that video because it's all-time great and perfect for this moment right now with mm-hmm. the Predators. I mean, but that's. You know, like we weren't going to be satisfied if they lost in the first round this season. Well, now we don't. We're we really don't even know if this team is good enough to make the playoffs all of a sudden. And they could they could rally. There's time they could rally and somehow make the playoffs. But even if they somehow do that, this team is far far away from even sniffing a any type of postseason success because they've already shown us this season with the exception of maybe the Flames win, which even the Flames don't look that good right now. Do the Predators really have an impressive win on their resume this year? Like, let's be honest about it. When we look at all the teams they've beaten this year, 
do they really have that impressive of a win? I'll call the Flames win pretty impressive. I mean, we thought at the time that the Blues win was impressive, but look at the St. Louis Blues. They're last place in the division right now. Yep. So do the have the Predators beaten a high-quality team this year? I'll, I'll give you the Flames. Even though the Flames are also reeling and not looking good right now, I still think the Flames will round out and end up being a pretty decent team when it's all said and done this year. So I'll give the Predators that. They've got one impressive win on their resume this year. Yeah, I'll, I'll give that. And the good teams they've the good teams they've gone up against, they have not only lost to those teams, but they have gotten ran out of the building. Yes, got embarrassed. Yeah, so there's nothing to hang your hat on right now, um, and of course, a win over the Avalanche on Thursday might change your mind a little bit, but that would mean you won three out of out of your last four. And, you know, you're always thinking about the next game and you can turn it around after the next game. So, sure, there's that opportunity to get back on track. And I'm sure that's what every player in that locker room is thinking about right now. You know, let's get back on track. Let's beat the Avalanche on Thursday. And I'm all on board with that. But we're just going off what we've seen so far this season. It's just it's not there. It's not there. I had a teacher that used to say in uh, high school, if ifs, if ifs and buts were fruits and nuts, then every day is Christmas. And there's so many ifs and buts with this team right now that if they can turn it around, if they can make progress, it's it's going to be great. But I don't know that I have a lot of confidence in them to do it at this point because I, I keep feeling like if they were going to do something, they would have shown – at least a little bit of a sign of some type of improvement. Yeah. It's, you know, we're not asking for them to all of a sudden be the best team in the league. That would be ridiculous to even think that, but a little bit better than the last game. I don't think it's too much to ask, especially considering how bad the last few games have been. I mean, they did win the two games, but you had one decent opponent and one very bad opponent. Yes. All right, we're going to continue to talk about this game and what's going on in the state of the Predators. We're calling it an emergency state of the union of the Nashville Predators. Appreciate everyone getting in on the episode here. Before we do that, let's throw some love to DraftKings, our sponsor, promo code THBN. Got a new deal for you, everyone. We just mentioned the Tennessee Titans. I know a lot of our hockey fans, they're also NFL fans. Kyle is a big uh, Bears fan. Mm-hmm. How are the Bears doing? Um, we, <laughs> our quarterback set the NFL record for rushing yards, and we still lost. Well, at <laughs> least you're not the Packers. No, uh, really uh, that, that As a Bears fan, that makes my heart oh so Oh, my happy. God, man. That team's a mess. Uh, okay, so anyway, NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. We figured we would give you a break on betting on the Predators and switch it to NFL teams because we, we we got tired of seeing y'all lose on Predators bets. So mm-hmm. we, we let's start betting on some NFL teams here, everybody. So check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. So if you're feeling really, really confident about a team, it could be any team going up against any other team, then you can – up your boost up to 100% and really get a big payout. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, player props, and point totals. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN and place a $5 pre-game money line bet to get $200 in free bets if your team wins only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN, minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See our show notes below the episode for details if you're having a gambling crisis and you need gambling assistance. Also, 
With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is my go-to when betting on the NFL. All right, so we got a great offer for you. Go take advantage of it. New users, DraftKings Sportsbook. Let me talk about, let me throw this out there for everybody. I just thought about this, about the Predators. We're talking about lineups. How much longer do we have to wait for Philip Tomasino to get called back up? Or do you think they let it ride and they keep him in Milwaukee? What do you think, Kyle? Okay, as somebody who's been watching Milwaukee a lot, uh, I think Tomasino stays down. Uh, you can see why he's there, uh, the way he's been playing here the last couple of games. But, man, there's a few guys down there that's making an awful good case for why they're still there. You've got, honest to goodness, there's one line down there right now, and it's Yuso Parson and uh, Igor Afanasev and Marcus Nurmi. I swear I believe they could outplay uh, the first line on the Preds. <laughs> these kids, yep. are they want it. Yep. They absolutely want it. This, this Admirals team has been absolutely a joy to watch. Mm -hmm. And you've been following them and putting up the really good updates throughout the day um, on Twitter. I've been following a lot of your updates because a lot of times I, I just can't get around to watching the Admirals like I want to. So your updates have been awesome. And so everyone, you need to be following Kyle Perkins at KPerk86. He puts out a lot of Milwaukee Admirals updates that um, are awesome to keep up with that team. Um, I feel like, look, if this gets much worse, not only should you trade Ellie Tolvin in, but you got to start benching some people here. And, and you live and die with the consequences because you've got to send, send a message here. And I would rather lose with young players who are hungry and want to play. And you can see what your long-term future looks like. And you might still take some losses on the chin, but at least you're going to see some really hungry players come up here and want to play. You know, there, what was it, two years ago or so that uh, the Senators were super, super bad. But you know what? They were fun to watch. You had a young Brady to Chuck. You had Tim Stutzla as a rookie. You had uh, Drake Batherson as, in his first couple of years. They were fun to watch because they were pesky. They were working hard and everything else. This team doesn't have that. They're, they just don't look like they've got that to them. And yeah. I, I agree with you 100%. I would rather lose with some of these young guys that are on the roster or in the organization and see them develop than it would be to sit here and watch the same thing we keep rolling out lose over and over again. Yeah. I mean, and I don't – I don't think we're quite there yet, but I mean, I'm not guys, calling for a tank or anything like that. No, I'm, we're not doing that. Yeah. We're definitely not calling for a tank, but like, cause we're not there yet. And I don't want to ever see a team tank. And I don't think they would be tanking if they called up those players. I think they would just be um, conceding to the fact that it's time to look to the future. I don't think that's tanking. I think that's just no. realizing, you know what, this, this whole off season, off season experiment with, you know, props to you for trying, David Poyle. It's not, you know, but this didn't work out here, you know. And yeah. I don't think we're there yet, but we're getting close. I think if this goes on for another month, then for sure, going into December, if this is, this is still happening the way it is and you're still at the bottom of the standings, at that point, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting about it and I'm looking towards the long-term future. And I hate to break up the Admirals and ruin their season by calling up some of these players, but that's just part of it when you're a minor league team. Mm -hmm. I am totally calling back up Tomasino at that point. I'm totally giving Igor Afanasiev an opportunity at that point. I am totally giving Yuso Parson an opportunity at that point. And I am seeing what they can do. And I will live with their mistakes, and they're going to make mistakes, but that's okay because at least – you're giving these young players that are your future a chance to grow. Because I'm tired of seeing these aged veterans. I'm not talking about benching Forsberg and stuff. I don't think they'll go that far. But, like, 
you, you got to start making room for some of these other players to produce. You know, you've got um, – and I like McDonough, but McDonough hasn't performed no. like he should have been. No. But you've got a guy like uh, Mark Delgaizo down in Milwaukee. I could see Mark coming in and doing work in, alongside some of these guys. He's not a big guy. He's kind of Ryan Ellis type size guy, but he's a bulldog, absolute bulldog. I'd love yeah. to see him get that shot to come up and play on a big team. It's just we're gonna see it. I think that if if, if this goes on like this for another month, then I think you pull the rug out and you start in, infusing some of these younger players into the lineup. And you just basically start looking into the long-term future. You're going to get a new ownership group coming in here before too long. I think this, I said this over the offseason, this is David Poyle's last stand here with what he did over the offseason. He spent to the cap. He went out. He had one of his most aggressive offseasons that he has ever had as GM of the Nashville Predators when it came to being a buyer. Not mm-hmm. only for McDonough, but Niederreiter, but some of the minor um, additions he made, like Zach Sanford, like Kiefer Sherwood, um, like some of the minor league additions he made. He was very active this offseason. You and, know what? I can't really fault Paul for the decisions he made in the offseason. I know this is not going to be a popular thing to say, but you look at this team on paper, what should they be right now? Four losses. Well, my, my benchmark for them was you have to absolutely finish in the top three of the division. Um, and they could still do it. We're not saying they can't. It just doesn't look like they're going to do it the way they're playing right now and the way they're trending. But, yeah, that was my benchmark for them is on paper, you should be a top three team in this division. On paper. Yeah, there's there's no reason they shouldn't be. And they aren't even close. Yeah. And then – but. I think it's David Poyle's last stand. I agree. Um, I don't – I mean, it's way more complicated to remove a GM than it is a head coach, and that's why I'll keep saying this. John Hines is going to take the fall first before anyone else does. Yes, they might trade some players. Yes, they might bench some players. But John Hines will, will initially take the fall, whether it's this season, whether it's over the offseason. I don't see him making it through the two full years – Like, it's not like this is some accomplished, no offense to John Hines, but he does not have a decorated coaching resume. He has a very mediocre coaching resume in this league. And you can point to different factors that aren't all his fault for why he has such a bad coaching resume. But I can't find any excuses for why you keep him around past this season if this team – you know, falls the way they do. And I know a lot of people think, well, Poyle needs to go too. Well, it's not that simple. With you're, You have an ownership that's changing over. They're not going to get rid of the GM right now. They're just not going to do it. He and might – stability. Yeah, he might choose to step out on his own. He might do that. I think there's more – I think it's more likely that he chooses to on his own more than I think he gets ousted by the ownership group. The most winningest – GM and NHL history is not going to get removed, like it or not, by a changing ownership group right now. It's just not going to happen. So, Hines is going to take the fall first if it comes to that. Um, And, you know, I'll keep saying this. I think John Hines is a great dude. I, I, I love the way he talks to his players. I love the way he runs a practice. I think he's a super smart head coach and and. Maybe he has a place in this league somewhere else, but it's a results-driven league. And for one, for many different reasons, the results aren't there. His postseason record is 4-15 and 15 as an NHL head coach. 4-15. and 15. You can't make excuses for that. Eventually, the excuses have to stop. So um, there's plenty of blame to go around here, but the, the results are there. And as a head coach, you have to produce results. Mm-hmm. That's 100% of it. It's, it's, hey, it's a results-driven league. Yeah. And then, when it, you know, like, you know, we talked about Tolvanen and how I think he should be traded. I would take a third-round draft pick for him, and I'd be jumping up and down for it. 
I'll take a fourth round draft pick. Give me some draft capital to look for the future and let's get something out of him. His vacated spot, you can bring up a, a, a Igor Afanasiev or a Yuso Parsonen or even a Marcus Nurmi at this point. Bring up somebody, put him in the lineup, make him a rotational player. They don't have to start every game, but give someone else a chance to get in there that's going to be part of your future. Let them go through some growing pains or whatever. And then, you know, start giving these players that you know are part of your long-term future chances to play is how is where I'm at with it. I'm not saying throw them to the wolves and bury their confidence, but give them some chances here and there to play. Get their feet wet. Who knows? Maybe they catch a spark and they give you something. We've seen it before. Young players can get a couple games under their belt and suddenly they hit a hot streak. Um, some teams haven't scouted them properly and they get in the game and they score a couple goals. They get some confidence about them. I could see Erof and Alciev doing that. If mm-hmm. you gave him a couple games, I could totally see him doing that. When I saw the look on Afanasiev's face in the Behind the Glass series when they, you know, broke the news to him that he was going to be starting the, the season in Milwaukee, you know, a lot of people expected him to start Milwaukee, but the fire in his eyes, that guy was completely, you could tell that he was striving for greatness. Mm-hmm. And when they told him, hey, don't take it the wrong way, but you're going to start off in Milwaukee. I'm paraphrasing, but they basically told him, like, look, you're going to start the season in Milwaukee, but you have a bright future. This isn't the last we're going to see of you this season. They alluded to that. They said, we're going to, we're, we might see you again this season. And that look he had in his face, he had that eye of the tiger, not to sound corny here, Rocky reference here, but he had the eye of the tiger in that moment. So, He's one of the first players I'm calling up if you make room for him. Absolutely. And I know you're I, big on Yuso Parsonen. I'm all on board with calling him up as well. I, the thing for me with Yuso is I don't want to call him up as a wing. I really want to – if he comes up, he needs to come up as a center because that's where he does – he's a creator. He He's not – he scores well. But where he is so good is on his creating plays for other people. Uh, Honestly, I would love to see him have a game in between Duchesne and uh, Forsberg just for shoots and giggles because I think that could be absolutely ridiculously good. Yeah. There's definitely more room right now to call up somebody on the wing than at center because – I don't see a scenario where you're going to bench Colton Sissons, and I don't think they should. He's he's like the heart and soul of this team when it comes to doing the dirty work and and doing playing his role. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, you're already benching Cody Glass. We want to see Cody Glass back in the lineup, um, but I don't. I just don't see what this team's vision is to continuously roll out Cole Smith, Michael McCarron. Um, <laughs> I just don't I just don't see it. I don't I know Michael McCarron is is kind of popular and he every now and then he'll occasionally show you some good things. He's a good role player, he's a tone setter. I get all that. He is not a regular starter in this league on Stanley Cup caliber teams. You're not gonna convince me otherwise. No, not even in the neighborhood. He's not. So what are we doing here? Are we is he really a long term? future core player of this team if we really want to see this team take the next step no he's he's not and i'll i'll eat i'll gladly eat my words on that if somehow he goes on this crazy 10 game hot streak i'll eat my words and i'll eat crow and i'll be happy i did it but i just don't it's not going to happen it's not so why not start why, first of all why not, why is cody glass not in the lineup I don't understand that at all. After, uh, you, after you propped him up, after you showed all this confidence in him, and you're – I mean, I get that he hasn't been perfect, but, like, he's not going to be. He's still a very raw player. But what what are you doing for this kid to constantly be yanking him in and out of the lineup after you sent him to Milwaukee all year and he absolutely shined – 
And now already he's going through the same horrible rerun that you put him through yeah. last year where we're early in the season and he's getting benched. Like, what are we doing here? And I, I, I would be okay if you set him down for a game. That's one thing, one game. But what are we on now about is it two or three where him and Tolvi have both been on the bench? Tolvanen's only played eight of 13 games. He's missed five, Tolvanen has. And not due to injury. If, if, and someone can correct me on that. I don't, I think all five of the games he has been a scratch. He has not been hurt or injured. I could be wrong on that. Maybe there was a game where he was dinged up, but I, I don't remember him being dinged up at all for why he missed any games. I'm pretty sure he hasn't been hurt. Um, I got to look up Cody Glass here because I'm not entirely sure about him, how many games he has missed. But, he missed one game because he was sick. Yeah. Cody Glass has also only played eight games this season. So he's also only played eight of 13 games. But, man, they love sticking with Cole Smith, I'll tell you that. And you know what? If the rest of the team was performing, we probably wouldn't fuss near as much about Cole Smith. No. That is true. That's a good point. He, he's He's been the whipping boy. Yeah. And he does bring a good tone, and he has hit the post a lot, and he has gotten some shots to his credit. Like I said, he had three shots on goal, which was one of the leaders of the team against the Kraken. So it's not like he's not putting in the effort. I just – it's another case of – what, is he a long-term solution to this team? Probably not. So why not start looking towards and some of these players who are going to be part of your long-term future? And if for some reason you feel like Ellie Tolvanen's not part of your long-term future, that's why I say trade him. Because it makes no sense. Where Ellie Tolvanen should be at by now, it makes no sense to keep him around if you're going to keep benching him. It's just yeah, a waste. It's, it's, waste. it's a waste. waste of it's a waste of the predator's time and it's a waste of his career. And, and how do you feel? I will say let's let's circle back to Mark Jankowski. He's another one that's gotten in. We're talking about a 28 year old player who has almost 300 games of NHL experience. How do we feel about him? I do think he's played well. He's done some good things, Mark Jankowski. He's got two points in his three games. But, again, we're talking about another aging player who is taking away a slot from a younger player who is definitely going to be a part of this team in the long-term future. So he's another player that I would consider swapping out if you do indeed start calling up some Admirals players. Yeah, um, I would agree there too. And that's not to say that Jankowski's been bad. It's just. I'm thinking long-term at this point. I'm not even thinking about this season. I mean, I'm still thinking about this season, but, like, I'm starting to think more and more about the long-term and less and less about where we're at right now because where we're at right now is just a train wreck, and we got to start thinking long-term, finally. Yeah, it's – got to find a way to stop the bleeding or at least catch it so you can, you know, get it yeah. infused back in or something. I mean, looking at the point leaders here on the team, Forsberg leads the team with 13 points. How many of those points have come in critical moments in games? Not very many. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but a lot of his points have come in garbage time. Matt Duchesne, he's got a couple empty net goals. He's got a lot of garbage time points. Granlin has a lot of assists. I'll give him that. Nita Ryder has come up big in a few games. I don't think Johansson's been that bad, honestly. He is what he is. He's never going to be a big goal scorer, even though he did break out for 20-plus goals last year. But that was more of an it's outlier just not probably. His game. It drops off a cliff after that when you look at the, um, the point totals for this team. I mean, you've only got four players that have eight, eight points or more on this team. Four players. I mean – it's just – it's really bad. And so you've got to do something here. And you keep trotting out these same players that just aren't producing points. And I just – and Dante Fabro is another player that probably you got to 
right behind Tolvanen for me when it comes to – I don't think – I'll ask you this. Who do you think has more trade value right now, Kyle? Uh, Tolvanen or Fabro? Or do you think it's a toss-up? Do you think they're both probably about the same? I think it's a toss-up. Yeah. Because you're not going to get anything major out of either of them. I would slightly lean towards Tolvanen having more trade value because he has that offensive upside and ceiling. Whereas I feel like Dante Fabro is a little bit more of a dime a dozen defenseman. Well, the only thing is Fabs is a right shot defenseman. And they are rare. That's true. That's a good point. But yeah, like you said, you're not going to get you're not going to get much out of either one of them, but get what you can. It's like a if you have a 2016 model car you're trying to sell, <laughs> and it's like, oh, this car looks pretty nice on the outside. Oh, and then you look at the odometer, and it's got 385,000 miles. You dig under the hood, and you find and all these problems. A, it's got a rod knock and transmission slips and that, that's what everything. the predators are right now yes yes you go to they, a, the predators are that car when you go to a used car lot and it looks really good yeah and, and they you look at it online and it's like wow i like this car like that's a deal like i'm gonna go get that i'm gonna go take a look at that you do a little inspecting and a little digging and you're like uh, yeah yeah it's okay. the car that you look at online that's wet in the picture so it hides all the scratches and dents oh, and everything man. Yeah, that's what the Nashville Predators are. Uh, but you know what? I think that's a perfect way to round out this episode of Catfish on Ice. The Predators right now, ladies and gentlemen, they are the used car that looks way better online that they than they do in person. That is a perfect way to end this. Kyle, that was an awesome analogy. <laughs> and <laughs> uh thanks everybody for joining. This has been episode one fifty eight, State of the Union of the Nashville Predators, which, uh, yeah, isn't good right now. But, hey, as you see at the bottom of the screen, Preds are bad, but at least we have Milwaukee Admirals. So keep mm-hmm. watching them because that's our future, everybody. That is our future, and it is bright. I, I, that That is absolutely true. If you're trying to be glass half full right now, the Admirals have a ton of talent that is going to eventually make its way up here. Um, unfortunately, this team, this franchise is snake bitten on developing forward talent, but maybe we'll break that curse one day. We'll see. We got to pray to the hockey gods that we'll break that curse. But until then, everybody, we will see you later this week. Preds got the Avalanche up next on Thursday, followed by the New York Rangers. Oh, Lord. On Saturday. <laughs> And then uh, then they got the Minnesota Wild next week. So um, a really difficult three-game stretch coming up here. We'll see you later. Take care, everybody. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for commenting. We'll see you later this week. See y'all.